welcome to West of North London, where it's not just Arsenal threatening to run riot. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. That was a turn of phrase I caught in the replay of the, of the, the highlights from the game. And I was like, mm, threatening to run riot. That, I like that, that turn of phrase. <laughs> it is. It's a nice phrase. And, but, uh, and it's very apt. Yeah, I think it accurately describes the, the state of the game on, on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, without getting into the, the details, it d- did feel like one of those games where it just felt in control the whole whole game, and and you know, rights seemed to be uh, seemed to be near. Yeah, I think the it the fact that it was only four to one is a is a um, I don't know. I think it 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 definitely makes Newcastle look better, and they oh, yeah. maybe played. Um, yeah, they. The, the it's every once in a while the scoreline doesn't even reflect the the true nature of the the dominance of a game. Absolutely, that could have been could have been a six six nil really. Yeah, another one of those. Um, but we'll get to that. Let's talk about the the drinks this week. What what have you? Uh so uh, the listener can't see, but I'm a. Uh... I'm in the San Juan Islands right now, mm-hmm. Orgas Island, taking a little uh, weekend trip. And uh, so I figured I would get a local beer. It's not from Orgas Island. It's from San Juan Island. It's San Juan Brewing, mm-hmm. and it's their English-style porter. Very nice. Let's give it an open and see how it is. Oh, that's fantastic. It's uh, I had it out of the fridge for a little bit, so it's just above or just below room temperature. It's nice chocolatey notes, uh, not over carbonated. No, this is one of the better porters I think I've had in quite some time. Hmm, that's great. I I haven't had a porter in a while. I need to need to tap into that before winter leaves us. I feel like I'm a, yeah. It's more of a seasonal drink for me. Yeah, that was uh, kind of the thoughts too. Is that a uh, you know winter is a uh, hopefully uh on the the last leg so i figured i'd get my uh porter and even though i'll i will have a porter every every once in a while in the summer as well hmm. yeah that sounds pretty good um i'm i <laughs> i'm having an interesting experience i so i had the uh uh old-fashioned mix uh that knob creek has on the show i don't know a few weeks ago and it, that was a different bottle and now I'm having it again. It, 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 this bottle tastes completely different. Huh. I have no idea if it, like the last one didn't get mixed well, or maybe it needed to be like shaken or something to get the, <laughs> but this one just actually tastes like it's actually a mixed drink rather than just straight whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, is the temperature different? Do you I have ice know. in one or? I don't know, but this one's much more drinkable. Last one, I just felt like I was drinking straight whiskey, which is fine. But it didn't taste. It didn't really taste like an old fashioned at all. Um, it was good, but it was this. This one's definitely more balanced. So different bottle, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I mean, it's, I was going to say with smaller things, you can get different batches. But I mean, Knob Creek's not a uh, small company, so yeah. But it, yeah, I don't know. It was a different size bottle. Maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. But yeah, totally different experience second time around. So I'm giving, I think I, I think I liked it before, but I'm giving it more of a thumbs up this time around. 
Nice. And is, so it's a, uh, is it pre-mixed alcohol there yeah. in the bottle? Yeah, it, it's it's labeled as an old fashioned, but yeah, the last one just tasted like straight up Knob Creek. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you got one where they just accidentally put in a pure whiskey. Yeah, I thought I was like going crazy because I was like, it, it kind of tastes like an old fashioned, I guess. I don't know. This one actually tastes closer. So it's good. Oh, good. I'll have to, I'll keep an eye out for it and uh, maybe I'll uh, have a completely different experience from you. <laughs> each bottle is it's a, a unique, bespoke experience for each person. <laughs> maybe they uh, have different uh, places that make them uh, differently. Different bathtubs scattered throughout yeah. the city. <laughs> um, all right. So <clears throat> you've got a Timbit and I'm, I'm ready for a curveball because you tipped me off a little bit and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm not going to have a good answer, but let me see. Uh, yeah, well, so uh, Drive to Survive uh, came out this week, which is a Netflix jo- documentary about uh, F1 racing. And it's uh, it, it has risen the popularity of the sport in the U.S. There's a lot of people that got introduced into F1 a, a few years back from this documentary that comes out every year. And uh, it's I'm, I'm obsessed with it. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm I love a good sports documentary, as we all know, and uh, mm-hmm. this is one of my favorites. Uh, so I was going to ask you uh, which F1 team you thought Arsenal was, but seeing as you don't uh, probably I know have nothing. a clue. I know nothing. Could, oh, could you name an F1 team? Um, Red Bull. Oh, yeah. There you go. You got one of them. They're, one. they're my pick for uh, Man City would be uh, Red Bull. Uh, for what it's worth, I was going to go with Arsenal as a, as Williams. but. Uh, and I'm sure there's like two of the listeners that are going to get excited about this conversation. So write it in. <laughs> I feel like uh, I need so, to, I need to catch up. Like I'm, I'm out of the loop here. Oh, you should, you totally should uh, put it on a, uh, I would, I would go back maybe two, three seasons to kind of get a feel for it and not jump right in with this season. Cause you, you get to know the drivers and all that, but is yeah. it, is it, should I start at the beginning or is that too far back? Oh yeah. If you, if you want to go start at the beginning, it's a, it's a good watch. There's a really big crash. I think in the first season that, uh, that's a pretty intense. Mm. So, okay. Uh, but uh, my question then, I'm going to pivot on you is okay. which car do you think Arsenal is? Which uh, brand of car going, you know, from Mercedes to Yugos? Hmm. Let's see. I feel like. I don't know. I, I don't know like enough about, I mean, I know there's like Lamborghini, Ferrari, um, Mercedes. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know the different, the different sports car or F1 types. It doesn't have to be an F1 car. I was going to say oh, like okay. any type of car you go, you know, Toyota, they're reliable, or I don't know, any, uh, okay, any, okay. any type of car manufacturer. What what type of car do you think you would describe Arsenal as? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't, we can't bring in any American car brands here. That This doesn't seem right. Although we do have American owners. I know, it's true. I just don't like American cars, typically. <laughs> It'd be like I like it'd be like saying hey, they're a Mustang. It just doesn't sound right. <laughs> I could see Mustang. You know, they're uh, flashy. They uh, you know uh, do uh, can go really high on high performance, but aren't necessarily the most reliable all the time. 
Um, I think you know I'd I would maybe put them in like a a jaguar. I like that. I think that it, it's 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 sleek. It's not super flashy, but it gets mm-hmm. you where you need to go. It looks looks nice going down the road. Yeah, it's not flashy. It's flashy, but not ostentatious. Is how I'd I'd, I'd throw it out there. Yeah, it's cla- It's classy. Yeah, it's a classy vehicle, and I do. And it's think got a, some tradition. Uh, yeah, and of the uh, of the uh, teams in the Premier League, I think Arsenal generally is the more classy of teams. I th- I like to think so. Other t- other people will say otherwise. Yeah, I think I think there's like. Whenever the celebration police come out, there is this idea that I think people want to knock Arsenal off some pedestal, some perceived, um, you know, idea that Arsenal place themselves above other people or look, <laughs> look down on other fans. And so whenever there's an opportunity to knock an Arsenal fan down, people like to take it. But I, I still think of us as a classy, classy club. Yeah. I mean, that's to be said, I do look down on other teams. <laughs> Absolutely. <Just> we <laughs> don't say that. You can think <laughs> it. Uh, now, now I'm just looking at these cars and I, I think I'd like to drive one. Oh yeah, the F1 cars? Yeah. Uh, no, just or, like a, just a classic Jag. Oh, there's a, there's some nice Jaguars around. Yeah. That would be, that would be my pick, I think. I mean, the best part about this question is I know little to nothing about cars. I haven't owned a car in like seven years. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not generally it? a car car head, but uh, F1 has uh, definitely gotten me into it a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I need to check this out. I think I need to look at the uh, Drive to Survive series. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, kind of the, the new cool thing in sports documentaries. Yeah, I I don't want to be missing out if there's some some new sport I can add because I have so much time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. But I mean, F one's great because uh, as far as car races go, they're, they're fairly short races, and you can kind of uh, watch them on replay. And uh, there's generally a lot of action. So, although right. this season might not be the best one because we're in the middle of a dominant era by one driver, so <laughs> there's nothing you, know. you can do. Yeah. Maybe in uh, next year when uh, there's some big changes afoot. Oh, do they do they tweak the requirements every season? Not every season. It's uh, every few years they uh, tweak the requirements. And then mm-hmm. there's also like uh, kind of silly seasons where drivers get locked into contracts. And then there was a big driver move this last uh, off season. So interesting. There's a lot I need to figure out on this part. <laughs> sounds like yeah. And our next spinoff is a F1 uh, podcast. You never know. I could get sucked in. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get sucked into this game. Look at that. Look at you. I did it. Um, you know, if there, I don't think there's a team more watchable than Arsenal. I, I mean, I try not to be too biased, but this season, if you were to put put the, a team in the shop window for the Premier League, it's got to be yeah. Arsenal. I mean, especially coming after the uh, <laughs> the winter break, there, I, I, you, we've definitely hit the ground running right now, and uh, just are going strength to strength, and 
dare I say it, remind me of uh, the arsenal of old right now. Mm, yeah, just control. It's really just the dominance and the, and the ease of which we're attacking these games. I, I, it's it, it almost feels like the goals are inevitable, which is such a big change from before the break. Yeah, it just it it seems like uh, in these if we lump all these games together since the winter break with the Porto game as kind of a, a weird outlier, it's it when we get a goal, it feels like we're we're we go for blood and our tails are up and we just are are just attacking and attacking and it's uh it, it, the the goals kind of come in clumps where we're just we're we're taking this period of dominance and and converting the dominance and it's 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 been great to see. Yeah, I think there's, you know, especially in this game, this felt like last a, a little bit more akin to what we came to expect last season, where they really jumped on the team very, very much from the first kick. Like it just felt like there was no slow build up or anything. It was really just foot, foot down on the gas to keep our car metaphors going here. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, pedal to the floor sort of. Um, pressure from the very very beginning of this game yeah and it, and it was just as you said dominant from the beginning it was if, if i almost felt sorry for uh newcastle with the uh, the amount of uh pressure they were under right from the the first the kickoff you know we went down there right at the first kickoff and created an opportunity and really didn't let go really until about the 68th minute when uh, we then uh kind of uh, switch things around. Mm-hmm. And really it, 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 you look at the shots um, in this game, 18 to three, eight shots on target for Arsenal for Newcastle's two, you know, just really not giving them a whole lot to, to work with. I mean, and then that's a case that uh, Arsenal's had, I gosh, for almost two seasons now of our, our defense has been, one of, if not the best in the league, we've had a very, very strong defense and it's, it's nice to kind of get that offensive piece really clicking. And as I said, since the winter break, it's, it's been phenomenal. 1.9 expected goals since the winter break, um, goal, you know, for the opposition, which is, uh, you know, two, three, four times better than most of the teams in the (laughs) premier league. Uh, nobody's, nobody's as stingy on the defense as Arsenal have been since we came back. Yeah. They, I, I know that, uh, infographics come in kind of making the rounds and it's pretty stark to see Arsenal's expected goals, uh, conceded versus, uh, the rest of the league. It's, it, it really is in a kind of league of its own. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I don't, okay, let me back up here. When we were holding the top spot in the league. I was like, nope, it's too soon. This isn't going to last. And now that we're not in the top spot and we're, we're chasing, um, I feel a little less pressure, but I also feel like the way that they're playing, they deserve to be in the first, <laughs> in the first spot. And, and it, it still could happen, but I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be tough. The, 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 the two point gap is, um, it's it's a big two points. Yeah, I mean the table doesn't lie at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. I I 
don't think it's me with the Arsenal gla- glasses on saying currently we are the best team in the Premier League. You look at the way uh, City's looking right now. They're getting the wins, which is all you need to get those uh, precious points. But they aren't. They don't look like they're firing on all cylinders. Liverpool, you know, is looking good, but they also are looking a little vulnerable and are are patched together. Arsenal is kind of really firing all on all cylinders at the exact right time. They're they're really trying to finish the season strongly, which was, you know, has been our weak spot the last couple of years. And so it's, it's, it's nice to feel like for now, the, uh, the team is put together the end of the season. Yeah. It's, it's really fun to see these, this kind of resurgence, um, and, and see how this team has come together because it is, um, as you said, you know, Liverpool is a little patched up right now. Man City's, um, Man City's doing their thing, but maybe not a, from the position of strength that we expect, um, typically this time of year, but they, they are a, a latter half or latter part of the season sort of team where they, they will turn things on. But I feel like Arsenal are very equipped to deal with that because this is a team that is not necessarily our best 11 you know we have seen some um of our best uh, team members fall to the wayside because of long-term injuries and to see this kind of come together with you know Havertz playing up top and Trissard making different appearances Jorginho coming in you know we've kind of had to put different different players into this team um to to make things work with the the injuries that we've had but it's it's looking so so good like I, I'm so surprised at how how it's really come together with this kind of a little bit of a patched up team. I, I mean, it's interesting you say that it isn't our best eleven. I think this starting lineup for the the Newcastle game, barring Timber not being there, I th- I think is pretty close to what Arteta had in mind at the start of the season as a starting mm. eleven. I've uh, I've had some conversations where with the Jesus injury, I. I'm wondering if it's a little bit of a save face type of a situation where they that in Arteta's mind having Havertz or Trissard playing a, a false nine is is more to his uh, general plan than having a, a traditional striker up there. Well, I you know I think with Jesus he more often than not is playing that position um, because he's certainly not a traditional striker that's up there scoring a lot. Um, he pops up in different areas and kind of is a connector piece. And I, I think we forget he was playing really well. So I'm not sure that he's um, uh, somebody that you're you're looking to get rid of. But I do think like having a Havertz and Trissard available to rotate in and, and provide some different looks and, and um, play that number nine role, it's it's nice that we haven't had to really feel the, the pain that we did with when Jesus has gone down in the past. It's, it's actually become an area of strength when I thought really, even as going into the January transfer window, that it was an area that needed to be reinforced. But at this point it feels like they can buy their time and you have three really viable options there. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if, Jesus does come back into the squad. It's it's again a more uh, rotational thing. I think or a, a, a situational uh, time to put him in, which is great that we have kind of 
different weapons to look up in that position. So, yeah, I mean, it's also us coming off uh, several games in a row with high scoring games that we, uh, I have a maybe a, a little higher uh, excitement about how the team is playing. Yeah, I think it's it's really just being able to when we need to get goals, which really hasn't been a challenge. But as as we as we get deeper into the season, we have some tougher games. Um, it's going to be nice to have these reinforcements to dip into to to look to different players to fill in the gaps and and maybe provide some different looks. And I think having a Jesus, having a party, it's going to be it's going to be a good benefit, but. It's it really is amazing to me that we're um, gelling so well without those those players available right at the moment. I mean, well, even ki- getting Kivior on the score in the score sheet this week, it's like, oh yeah, this this guy was not even a left back, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm one of the bigger cheerleaders for Kivior at this point. I feel like, and it was it was nice to see him get a goal. But you you mentioned party earlier in there, and I think at this point, I don't. I don't think party is the first choice in that position. No, I don't, I don't think so, but I don't, I don't know that Jorginho's an every week player. Mm -hmm. So I think you have, he's going to be a big rotational piece in the rest of this season. Um, when he is available just to, you know, I think with Jesus as well, you're going to have to really manage the minutes because of, um, nagging injuries that seem to come up. So it's nice that, you know, as you have these players who have, seen frequent time away to have them available but not have to rely on them is going to be really a, a nice thing because they don't necessarily have to be the starter but they can soak up minutes as we um get deeper into the season and have to balance champions league as well yeah there is a that that specter it's kind of nice with this weekend going on and all the uh the fa cups games going on it, it does in some ways make me grateful that uh you know we have a little bit of rest with the uh being out of the FA Cup. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really feel bad about that at this point because I feel like the the two competitions are plenty. Hmm. Uh but yeah, this this Newcastle match really was um more of what has really worked for us in the in the um first six five games, six games where are we at. <laughs> um the first group of games in this uh after this winter break. Um, it's been really flowing, really, uh, taking it to teams, keeping the pressure up. And this, this was a great example of just snuffing out anything that Newcastle tried to put together. Uh, there was, they couldn't really string passes. And then once we got our fo- uh, foot in the door in the, uh, uh, was it the 17th minute, 18th minute, um, for the first goal, there was really no looking back after that. I think it was once they got a, a, a foothold in the game, the, the it felt like Newcastle really didn't have the the energy to get back into it. Yeah, and once again, it's a uh, set piece goal, which I I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'd love to see our numbers of set piece goals this season compared to uh, this point of last season, because it does feel like we're getting a lot more of these important uh, set piece goals, and you know we're getting really good delivery and. Our, especially our center backs seem to be really enjoying uh, uh, getting into good scoring positions from them. And, you know, I, it's a shame that Gabriel didn't get the, uh, the, the goal. It went down as an own goal from Botman, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's good. And uh, 
Uh, but uh, he really, I mean, it's it's fairly cruel that Cruel didn't get uh, the uh, the save on that because he did make a great save and it just kind of bounced around. But, you know, that's what set pieces are made for. Yeah, and it's it's not just the um it's it, it's a great combination of of the personnel that we have available to us the the height there the intensity in the box like you know you see what Ben White is doing on these set pieces to create space and and really there's some ingenuity on how we're attacking the ball as well so it's um pulling players out of out of place it's getting kind of tricking teams into bunching up in the wrong areas. It's those run backs from offside positions to kind of create chaos. All those things are really combining with the quality of the the, the players involved and um, really good service from rice. Like he's been really on top of it. I think that we have found uh, uh, a weapon in his foot. Like his, his quality is so good at getting getting balls into dangerous areas for the most part. Was that something you were aware of uh, when we were getting Rice? Is that is it his set piece quality? It's something that, I mean, it's not shocking, I don't think, but it isn't something I really thought of when we were picking him up is that he would be uh, our corner taker and have such good corners. I think I knew he was a good technical player. I think that's why he was so appealing was that he wasn't just like this bruising guy who could break up plays but he actually has quality on the ball and has um kind of a unseen technical skills like you just you see little little things but he's not as like um he's not as zinchenko type where the, he, you see the little flourishes once in a while but rice is a very straightforward sort of player but his his quality when he's kicking the ball and that sort of thing is you can see um on his deliveries he's definitely got some skill there that uh, doesn't show up easily. But now that we've kind of got him into this position where he's doing it regularly, I can already see improvements on like where he's able to place the ball. And I think that he's, he's building confidence in this role as well. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's nice to have that. And I think uh, with our set pieces, there's a, just kind of a, a perfect storm of a bunch of uh, different pieces coming together. Cause I, I mean, I I've, I know I've said it before on this podcast, but you know, with Salipa and uh, 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 Gabriel, we have two of the best headers of, of the ball in in general. And if you can get good service to them, and you know, not to put the cart before the horse, but also Kivier seems to be able to get on the on the uh, header in. And you know, you have a uh, Havertz. It's a uh, a nice little thing. And you know, with our new set piece coach, it's um, I'm hoping that this is a uh, continuing trend. Yeah, I think this is really one of those things that like teams should be more cautious about turning over the ball. You know, like you have to start thinking that every time you give away a corner or a set a free kick, they are going to punish you for it. And um, I think as a as a defense, you're going to be less likely to give away those corners. You're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, maybe we should try to kick it out out of bounds. But then even the throwing can be. A, a dangerous um, situation for teams as well. So I, I, I love to see um, the, the different teams try to figure out what to do with white or whoever's causing the, this disruption in, in the box, you know, as, as teams try to 
counteract that it, it makes for interesting uh um scenarios when referees are trying to figure out how to unravel that that sort of thing it's not like white's doing anything outrageously dirty but you know he's doing enough to to be a nuisance and and i think it's he's he's towing that line quite well yeah i mean i I think every every team has a player like Ben White or a, a player that plays that position in free kicks, and uh, Ben White is just very particularly good at it. I think uh, I would be annoyed if I were a player on another team with the stuff that he does, but as you say, it's not particularly illegal. It's just being a nuisance. You, it's kind of a, in hockey, I know, uh, you have often have players that are screening the goalkeeper and, and doing mm-hmm. that sort of thing in front of the keeper often. And it feels like Ben White is doing that on set pieces to uh, perfection. Yeah. And it's trying to just take advantage of everything that's given to you, you know, like the, uh, the things with the statistical statistical analysis and trying to um, best spend your money. It's like all these little, little data points and things uh, only, increase the amount of ways you can attack the game and i think that for for now at least we're finding ways to pick teams apart because they don't really have a a great strategy um that can't last forever unfortunately i'm sure teams will start to adjust to what arsenal is doing and um that's that's just part of it and and arsenal is going to have to change how how they deal with that and and uh over time We'll, we'll adjust to whatever the next thing is and um maybe it, we won't be a set piece team or maybe we'll find new ways to continue to dominate but it's uh it's such a interesting cat and mouse game to kind of figure out where the next vulnerability is that needs to be taken advantage of and right now it's these these set piece disruptions are only going to get picked up on and, and countered or you know, you start, you start to see other teams start to do the same thing and then it becomes common practice. <laughs> well, speaking of vulnerabilities, the, uh, the next goal in Arsenal's, uh, <laughs> list of goals was, a uh, exposing, uh, Newcastle's vulnerability on defense from a uh, run of play. Yeah. And run of play stuff, you know, it wasn't that long ago. We were like, what is that? We were, we were not <laughs> scoring that way. And now it's, it's very much the train is back on the tracks here. Um, getting uh excuse me getting the um goal pulled up here but yeah this this is great with uh just great vision by Jorginho to find Martinelli on this this run um I think this is the type of creativity we weren't seeing enough of when we were having that dry spell and a lot of it is the willingness to make the run from Martinelli and uh I think this is why you, you're. I've been really excited about what Jorginho has brought to the team. I mean, he's just got a little bit of vision that we we haven't really had from that area for a while. Yeah, I mean, and it was a great ball in in from Jorginho. Uh, I I think it was great vision from Marinelli. But my favorite part about that goal was seeing Kai Havertz run. It's mm. it's great. You you really see it. it. It's in this the replay where they have it from kind of behind the goal, and you see the Newcastle players kind of slowly or not slowly, but drift towards uh, Martinelli, which is, you know, an advantage of having Martinelli on the field is they definitely draws attention, but the heads upness of uh, 
of Havertz to kind of make this really sneaky run behind all those defenders and just get into that open space and just bury bury that and be in just such a great position. Yeah, it it's becoming a joy to see Havertz get more and more integrated in this team, kind of look a little less um, nervous on the ball. I mean, this is so fluid in the way that he drifts into that space. And he, I think early in his Arsenal career, he might have uh, fluffed this shot. You know, like it, it's, this is pretty much on a plate, but I think ner- nerves were getting the best of him early on. And now it's just so smooth. And I'm, I'm glad that he's, he's fine. He's finally looking like, um, a, like a, a reliable player to show up in those spaces and, and be effective because he was getting there before. Now he's really honed in on, on being lethal in those spaces. Yeah. And, and I, I think I'm, I'm kind of over the, uh, the narrative of Havertz fluffing his lines, although he did have a fluff shot a little bit later <laughs> that ended up being offsides. But, uh, I think I just, I, I do love to concentrate on it, on his, his strengths. And I, the more I've watched him, the more I realize how much, how smart of a football player is, how much smart of a soccer player he is that he is, he finds those runs. And that's why he always is in those positions to fluff those shots, which I, Again, I'm not trying to. Get yeah, in, like I said, I, he's find he finds the space. It's just like being lethal, you know. I get into yeah. the get into the end product. But uh, I, 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 I'm like he's a player that the more I watch, the more I see why so many teams have been after him. Why he gets so many shots at a at playing at a high level. It's it's he has such a smart positioning brain and and makes such great runs. And this goal was. It was it was a really good team goal. You can't you, you know as you said, Jorginho's pass directly into Marnelli was great. Marnelli having the heads up to kind of not uh, to find where Mar- or where uh, Havertz was going. It, it, it's great and just you know Havertz making that late great run. It's a it's a run I almost associate with uh, with Odegaard more than I do with Havertz. Mm. I'm just looking at the goal that or not the goal the attempt that Martinelli had um from a cross I think it always oh, the back it was the back heel from Odegaard to, to Saka and the cross into Martinelli but really that you know the cross was maybe a little bit behind Martinelli or the, I, I'm not sure who who's at fault there as far as the the timing of the jump and that sort of thing but um I'm looking at where Havertz is and if if Saka had just seen him, man, he was <laughs> wide open. My goodness, and in a closer position. But you know it, that that positioning it was there several times throughout the game. Um, you know he, he's getting into good spots, and I think as he gets more of these goals and builds more chemistry with the team, we're going to see him really, I think, be way more involved as we go forward. And I'm, I'm, you know, in terms of. It, the Jesus versus Havertz versus Trissard. I think you, you have to give the edge to Havertz right now. I think he's, he's playing with the, um, no matter where they're putting him, whether it's from the midfield or from that number nine, um, the false nine position, he's just looking really comfortable. And I think that's, that's key. Yeah. And if, if we uh, move on to the uh, third goal, it was really uh, Havertz tackle and then another uh, beautiful pass in there that really creates that uh, that next goal. Mm-hmm. 
for Sokka. Yeah, and it, he's yeah he he finds great ways to contribute. It's not uh, it's not that he's doing one thing on the field. He's really popping up in all kinds of areas. So I really get, great to see him getting there, and and that's I think as you would expect from like a, a new player, I think half a season is ample time to, to get your feet under you. And he's kind of hitting his stride at the perfect time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That third goal, excuse me, the, uh, the soccer goal, the, you know, the, the token soccer goal, cause it's, <laughs> it's five games in a row now. Um, first player since Giroud to have that sort of run. I'm I'm loving it for my fantasy team. I'm not going to lie. So yeah, just I love that level of consistency. And you know, <laughs> there are some people pointing out that ever since um, Rio Ferdinand said he wasn't uh, world class, he's just been putting on a clinic on a weekly basis. So I, I whatever it takes. I I miss that comment from F- Ferdinand, and that's stupid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, well, I, I, he he made the point that uh, he hasn't won anything yet. And that's like, okay, but is it about that or is it about the quality of the player? Because there's plenty of really quality players that don't necessarily play on amazing I mean, it, teams. Is he is is he gonna make the claim that Harry Kane is not world class? No, I don't think he is. So Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I sorry for that digression. That just like it, it boggles my mind not to call soccer. And this goal is a great example of, you know, soccer's class. I and mean, it's it's not the easiest of shots to put in there. And, you know, he has such a way of wiggling just a bit of space for himself and just finding that, 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 that one place where the ball can go in, especially from that right-hand side. Yeah. He gets a little help from a deflection, but man, the fact that it passed through like four Newcastle players to get to the back of the net is amazing into itself. Cause they all kind of just looked at it as it flew by them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, couldn't really do I, anything. I think that you, in as they watched the goal in, you could see the hope in their faces die. It was is it's one of those great moments in a in soccer where you can just literally see where they gave up was in that goal. Yeah, I, I felt <laughs> I, I felt a little bad for Carius um, at the at the moment just because I know he was he was a player that had been away from the game for a bit. They had to bring him in, and <laughs> it just looked like it exasperated from the types of goals he was having to deal with in this game and that one was just like you know a shoulder a a collective shoulder shrug from the newcastle team they just had no idea what to do about him and 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 that was kind of like the tone of the game at that point i mean once you get three goals in they were their heads were hanging yeah i mean the as we mentioned at the top of the show it was it really like after that three goals the game just kind of definitely felt done with (laughs) right yeah and and i think they they had some signs of life later later in the game, obviously, but um, from a for the majority of this match, I think they they were pretty lackluster, and uh, it was a stark contrast to the kind of cockiness that they they were showing after the <laughs> the win on the first um, uh, the first matchup, and it's. They they definitely got a lot of help from the VAR in that game, but the, there was nothing that could save them in this one. I think it was a, a much different performance from Arsenal, and I, I, they they had no answer. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a a little bit of the uh, 
the revenge factor that came into this mm. game too. I think uh, Arsenal wasn't was. I don't think you had to motivate the players very much to get them to to play this game. And you know, by the third goal, you could see that the the team was roaring to go. Yeah, and it you know another another set piece uh, goal in this game from Kivior and excellent delivery from Rice on the corner. I mean, I you just watch his, his the way he hits the ball and he gets just enough air into it, but puts pace on it. Like it, it's it's about as good a, of a corner as you can give a team, and the way he can do it, pretty. I, he doesn't really miss. Like he's hit he, even if he's hitting the first guy, he's putting it high enough where it can get flicked on, and that's pretty much the way this goal, goal goes in. Is Kivior just gets enough on it to get it directed, and defender knocks it back into to the goal. Uh, it's it's how you draw it up. I mean, they they've just been so consistent on these set pieces, and everybody's getting in on it. I mean, see. Um, obviously you're, you're going to be targeting your, your tall guys, but it, it's, it, it's no guarantee everybody's adept at scoring. It's really about the amount of space that they're getting and the delivery and Kivior gets his, I is that his second goal? I, mean, I, I think he had, I feel like if it didn't, or did he have one taken away? I'm trying to remember uh, now. Look, but yeah, but, he's, uh. Good to but see uh, him on the score sheet, nonetheless. Yeah, and one of my favorite things was seeing him after he scored. He he wasn't really celebrating for himself. He ran straight to Rice and was uh, giving all praise to to Rice and uh, his delivery on that ball. Yeah, just a single Premier League goal, so that was his first and only. Um, so good for him to really get him um, blooded in with the team and get, get that that first goal under his belt. But yeah, down down to some really, you know, you talk about a automatisms or whatever the the word is that that Arteta likes to use, but they've just become so clinical on these uh, set pieces. It, it doesn't seem like teams really know what to do about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think as we were talking about earlier with the first goal, it's a it's something that teams are going to have to worry about, and you wonder, uh, you know, with that that weird uh, goal from. Uh, against Newcastle where Van Dyke made the the choice not to just clear the ball, but to, uh, to try and play it back or, or shepherd it. You, you wonder if it's getting in, it will get into defenders heads that, you know, they just can't clear the ball because that offers a dangerous situation that they have to manage the ball and play more. And, you know, that in itself creates a different type of chances. It's a kind of a, a no win situation right now for some defenders facing Arsenal. Right. Well, um, of course, we couldn't couldn't continue the the streak of clean sheets. This mm. one was um, this one was a dumb one, <laughs> but of course, of course, of course, it had to go to the Arsenal player. I was going to say, was it not inevitable that Willock was going to score against us? It, I can't explain it. It just it is seemingly a curse that <laughs> I think every team suffers from uh i don't know what it is about playing your old team it, it just you play up you do something there's there's a little bit extra of adre- ad- adrenaline or whatever it is but it seems like no matter what 
the most dangerous player on the field is the one that used to be an Arsenal player. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, pretty easy to get motivated to play against a team that uh, let you go for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want to show them that uh, they made a mistake. Although, you know, consolation goals in the 84th minute don't really, uh, you know, <laughs> in the long scheme, it doesn't matter. Uh, other than I would have liked to keep a, have kept a clean sheet. Yeah. I think more than keeping the clean sheet, I would have liked to have seen the goal from Emil Smith Rogo in. Oh yeah, that would that would have been nice. That was uh, as close as you can get. You know, Carriers I think had a uh, a good uh, uh, block on it, but yeah, it would have been nice. Yeah, it was it was almost. I don't even. I think Carriers was there, but there was an, a, a Newcastle defender like on the goal line that made actually made the stop and. Oh, that's just right. ra- wrong, wrong place, wrong time, whatever, <laughs> however you want to say it. Well, the four one scoreline, I think like I said before, flattered Newcastle a bit. I think it, it easily could have been a six, six nil game again. And I, I think like it's, it's gotta be putting some fear in the, the teams that we, we have coming up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think as we mentioned earlier, it's a, Arsenal is definitely the informed team, and you know the 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 goals help our goal differential, which is something I don't think we can forget. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't come down to goal differential any of these things, but we have a pretty pretty healthy uh, goal differential at this point. And yeah, I mean, you know, you're looking at our uh, next opponent, and Sheffield is probably not relishing the 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 chance to play against us. No, I mean Sheffield and Brentford. After that, it's. I think I think we continue to march here. It seems like the momentum is certainly in our favor, and um, you know Sheffield away, maybe a little bit of a banana skin game. But this this is uh, I I think based on the way the confidence that we've been playing with in the Premier League, this is this is one that should be. Um, a continuation of the the run of form we've had so far. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, you have the caveat of every team in the Premier League is difficult. It's a Mm. difficult league. Uh, You know, we've we've not passed this type of test before in previous seasons, but you look at that Sheffield team, and I I don't mean to to sound overconfident, but they're not a good team, Sheffield. And, uh, you know, uh, the way we've been playing, we should definitely be able to handle them we should i don't see us not continuing this reign of form Uh, obviously i can see it but i don't really expect us to to not score several goals against them yeah i mean they've allowed 66 goals so far this season obviously the worst in the league at being at the bottom of the table it should be another opportunity for um, multiple goals the arsenal team yeah i mean it's 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 so hard because i'm so not used to having confidence coming into game and i'm 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 I'm, i know my words on a podcast don't actually affect how the team play but i I always uh don't want to jinx or uh, do bad juju but i i have a certain amount of uh confidence coming into this game yeah it's um yeah it is weird to feel confident isn't it (laughs) What a bizarre, That's what this bizarre, to us. Yeah, bizarre feeling. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, feeling feeling good is is a great feeling, and I I I'm, most of all I'm excited to watch this team play. Every time the game is over, I'm sad because it's like, oh, just give him a few more minutes, he'll score again, you know. Yeah, and that, that's where I was drawing the lines to the uh, the the Arsenal teams of old. The uh, the attacking play is just so dynamic, so fun. There's goals popping up all over the field. You know, you had. I mean, if you count their own goal as a, a Jesus goal, you had two defenders, a uh, withdrawn striker, and a, a a midfielder scoring these these goals. And it's just uh, the goals are getting spread around, and it, they're just playing well. There's the amount of back heels you're seeing, the <laughs> amount of just kind of uh, fun things going on the pitch. The team's having fun, and it's just a it's a pleasure to watch. It's it's much better than kind of grinding out a a one nil win. Yeah. The- the one touch, I mean, just even looking at Sokka's goal, everybody's just playing with such confidence to, to move that ball around. And uh, it's, it start, it's starting, like the crowd feels like it's getting into it. Like it's just like there's something building again and some of that momentum that we were building with the fans last season and uh, the just the style of play has turned turned a corner, so it, it it's starting to get those the same sort of feelings of um, togetherness and uh, excitement that we had, uh, and now Matt hopefully matched up with the longevity to keep this going. Um, you know, I mentioned the players coming back, but also I saw Timber Timber is actually in full training today, so it, it's everything's uh, bound to see improvement with with the amount of players that we're going to have available and i'm super excited to see what more we can possibly do yeah the arsenal youtube had a uh a little uh bit that they put up with a uh, you know behind the scenes training and they definitely were uh focusing on uh timber doing things he looked you know they were it was you know nothing spectacular but uh, they were doing a bit of a uh, rondos which is Fun to see him both in his one-touch passing and his uh, his ability to to intercept in there, and also they were doing this really cool game on that where like they had two uh, pylons kind of set up and you had to run back and forth with the pylon while juggling the ball in and not letting it hit the ground, and it was it was interesting to see the different uh, uh, styles and ability. <laughs> and, mm. uh, I mean, El Nani, I mean, I couldn't do that if uh, ever <laughs> in any way shape or form so i, I shouldn't talk but el, el nenny was a, a little bit more functional with the way he was keeping up the ball and getting it done but you know Sokka, it looked like you know he was second nature to him but uh timber was also looking very good in that drill so he obviously has a you know a decent amount of touch as well as his uh, defensive abilities i i've never been more excited for a player that i've hardly seen yeah it's like getting a new signing. It it really is. And like this team obviously was going to be built with him in 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 the lineup somewhere. Um I think he's his his ability to play into different areas is going to be interesting to see where he pops up. Um especially if if they're, you know, we we have a pretty set lineup, you know. Where do, where do he, where does he fit? is Kivior the obvious replacement because he's not a left back. And and so it'll be interesting to see if he keeps his spot as other guys get healthy. 
Well, I mean, I think that's the uh, fun thing is we've had a whole, you know, what, two thirds of a season to see the system that was built. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we're all excited is we now know exactly why we signed Timber. Mm -hmm. Is it, it's not, he wasn't a necessary depth. I think he was a very integral part of how uh, Arteta was thinking of, of doing the season. And we've all, we've been kind of making do with uh, Zinchenko and Kivior and all these people in that position. And he, I think he, you see you're, I'm as excited to see kind of ideal arsenal as, as much as I am uh, seeing Timber in that position. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it sounds like it's a matter of when, not if, which is a great turn because I think anytime somebody goes down with that sort of injury, you don't know if they're going to recover quickly or if it's going to be a long slog and, great to see him um back possibly in in the next week or two i, I don't know if, how soon he'll actually make a starting lineup but it'd be interesting to see if he starts getting some minutes off the bench here sooner than later i'd be interested to see if he uh we get a sneaky champions league uh game out of him in the uh, porto game just because i i i tend to think that uh some of these players who come from europe are uh playing them in the champions league uh they're already up to speed in that in in that league. Yeah, I think he's um up to that level and it'll be interesting to see him. Um I really he has to integrate still with this team. He hasn't had a chance to do that yet. So um let, let's see what he can do. Let's see what that means for the players that are in the in that uh running for that left back spot because I think Zinchenko should be making his way back soon as well. And like we've ta talked about before is uh, Matt, we see Zinchenko pop up in different areas now that he doesn't have, have to play at left back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it frees up some, some players and it's just, it, it's an exciting prospect to, to get players healthy again. Yeah, for sure. So um, we'll see what the lineup looks like coming on uh, Monday, uh, Monday game for this 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 weekend or not weekend but i hate I, i'm not a huge monday game fan i'd rather see us play on the weekend but we'll, we'll take what we can get i guess yeah i mean I, my my favorite time of the week is a wednesday game so uh mm. <laughs> i'm i'm a little bit weird in that way but mondays work out well for me because i'm uh i'm at work so i get to watch the game at work but uh yeah i am i it's funny enough that like Saturday, Sunday early it tends to be my worst uh, worst time to watch games. So, yeah, I guess that that's off your 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 schedule. You're a night owl on, on those days. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Carlin Cup final threw me for a loop because I had to. We were showing it live for work, so I had to wake up at six thirty after getting home from work at uh, what was it twelve? So I had uh, like six hours of sleep with no time after uh, work. So. <laughs> Yikes. At least you got some sleep. Uh, that's that's hard for, I mean, I don't know how much you actually got, but that's hard for me to not have wind down time. Yeah, no, that was the hardest part. It was like literally riding my bike home, throwing it away, or not throwing it away, throwing <laughs> it to the, throw away the bike, not throw it into the garage and then uh, <laughs> go like grab it. I also hadn't eaten dinner, so I like I shoved a piece of bread in my mouth and then on my way to bed and then tried to try to go to sleep. But <laughs> yeah, bread solves everything. Yeah, it fills the stomach. 
we did get one sneaky question. Oh, as I haven't we, even seen it. As we were recording here, um, Joe Robinson snuck one in under the gun. Oh, nice. Uh, so he says, do you think us having a game in hand for the title race will be a help or a hindrance? Uh, oh, oh, I... Before I, I should say, yeah. he, in parentheses, he says Chelsea getting to the next round of the FA Cup delays our game with them in March. Oh, interesting. I didn't. I hadn't uh, seen that. I my I have a rule of thumb with the games in hand, which is uh, points in hand are way better than games in hand. I I am mentally when I do the math, when I look at the table, I don't count those points. I I just uh, I've been burned way too many times. I. It was many, many years ago when uh, City were just kind of becoming the city we know and uh, love. That uh, <laughs> that uh, I think Arsenal had two games in hand against them, and in my mind, I'd already counted those points as one because it was against two fairly pedestrian sides, and you know Arsenal ended up uh, bottling both those games, and uh, we did not uh, win the title that year. So I just mentally counted out. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's going to be what Arteta does with it is like th- those aren't points until we earn them. So, I mean, does it hurt or hinder? I just, I wouldn't look at it. it. I do like it. If we do get those points, it kind of jumps us over teams when they are not expecting it. But I, I think I like it for the mental aspect. It, it adds pressure to the teams below you and it relieves pressure for the team itself to you know that those those points, you know, if you get the points, they're in the bank. Um, whether it's temporarily or not, it's, it at least lets you feel like there's you've done everything you could. Um, obviously, you want to uh, a game in hand doesn't doesn't mean anything until you get those points. So it, it's um, when you can, uh, it, yeah, it, it when you when you can have a game in hand, I guess it gives you hope. But it really the, the points at the end of the day are what matters. Getting those those locked up or it's it doesn't doesn't mean a thing until you've done it. Yeah, and so I th- I think the 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 healthy way to look at it for me is just to not even forget about the 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 game in hand until you actually play it and just look at the table the way way it is. But as you said, it I I think it more than anything it does. Uh, make you feel better about the teams below you because it means that, uh, you know, at the very least they're not, <laughs> there is a, a little bit of a, a, where, where you lie is worst possible situation from mm. below. Yeah. Well, that, uh, let's see. So that game was going to be, yeah. Sandwiched in there, um, between our champions league match and the, uh, Man City game, so I guess that yeah. that relief, you know, that gives us a pretty big gap between March twelfth and March thirty first. Oh, they'll find some way to fill it. Don't worry, that's <laughs> it. it is the Premier League, but uh, it, it does make it interesting because I do have a, a friend who's a, a City fan, and he's complaining about their fixtures in that time frame when they're playing us because I think they play Liverpool very close to around that time period and there's a Spurs game they have right around that time period as well as Champions League mm. and and so and I'm well what's interesting is I wonder if a city then gets a game rescheduled because they moved on in the in the uh, FA Cup as well so yeah, I don't know sure. if it Let's see. hurts or helps their uh, congestion oops 
Let's see, Man City looking at yeah, their match against Brighton that week mm-hmm. got postponed, but it still leaves their uh, other matches around there pretty uh pretty uh tough, and they will have to play a game in that time period against uh who who are they playing? Who is City playing in the FA Cup? Um, I looked at this earlier. I don't want to touch my phone because it'll make a weird noise on the uh, the broadcast. But they play Newcastle. Oh, that could be an interesting game for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, that might shake things up a little bit, but uh, we'll see. I I'd heard. I don't know if this is true. It's not been moved on officially on the schedule yet, but. That, that Chelsea game will be moved closer to the um, Tottenham match. Yeah. So it's going to cause congestion elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's always, there's, there's a bright side to the coin, but, you know, there's only a, a set number of days in which they can play the schedule. So Yeah, so rather than having it bump up against Man City, you get it bumped up against Tottenham. So I don't know what's better. I can I can tell you, I mean, this is, you know, a little bit of a side <laughs> thing. I'm actually far more nervous about that uh Tottenham game than I am about the the city game. I I think city games are city games. I you know I have have a mental preparedness for the city game, but that Tottenham game I'm just uh I'm, the more I, I think about the season, the more that game is gonna just be such a crucial game for the title. They're they're all gonna start to take on quite a bit of meaning here quickly. Uh, I think with with Champions League being the first one that's really going to have some consequences on our our rest of our season, but um, you know that Chelsea that Chelsea match probably isn't the uh, a season breaker like it could have been in other years, but certainly the City and Tottenham matches um, are going to be consequential. Plus, we still have to play Villa and United. Um, I think all of those are going to be really important to the standings based on when they're when they're hitting in our season. Yeah. I mean, with Villa, the nice thing is, is that they, it looks like they're kind of regressing to the mean a little bit. Mm. So, I mean, you know, it's a few weeks ahead, so we'll see how form is, but it seems like um, it's a better time to play them at this point in the season than earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't, di- I shouldn't discount of- Brighton as well in there. I mean, they've, they've also, they're also kind of on that bubble. Yeah, and, and Brighton is one of those teams that it's just you don't know which Brighton team you're going to get, right? <laughs> so, yeah, consistency in that uh, that you know six through ten spot is hard to come by. You know, you, yeah. on paper Newcastle is a great team, but you don't you don't really know if they're going to show up either. Well, and I'm I'm hoping Zerbi has his head fully turned by the time we play him because there's a the rumors that he's a uh, he's headed off to uh, Barcelona. So. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see how this uh, this stretch plays out. But for now, we don't have to worry too much about this, this next game. So I think we can rest easy while we can. Yeah, and hopefully just continue playing the uh, the style that has uh, gotten us the uh, these uh, five, six victories in a row. I'm trying to remember if it's five or six. I've waffled on it like two times this episode. I guess I could look this up real quick. Let's see. Since January 20th, we have one, two, three, 
four, five, six in a row. Six in a row. Yeah. Um. So yeah, make it. Let's make it seven. <laughs> uh. But yeah, let's let's call it there. I think that's good for us this week. Um. Thank you all for listening, contributing, joining us every week. Uh, review and subscribe wherever you're picking this up. Uh, check out our show notes for Twitter, Discord, everything you need to know. Um, come join the Discord when you, you're uh, wanting to chat with us on game days. We're just a link away on the show notes there. So go ahead and join us uh, for the next game. And that is all for us this week. So as always, see you at the next game show. <laughs>